Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we are back for another year. I know, guys, it's been a long time between drinks, but um, we are here. 2018 season is upon us. And uh, so welcome again to the NRL Supercoach Talk podcast. And I'm joined on the other end of the line by a man whose voice could cure a cold. Perso, how are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, good, buddy. Very good. Are you, yeah. ready? are you ready, mate, for the new season? How, uh, are you a bit like me? It's kind of... Um, Come up, crept up on me like a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, mate. To be honest, I've been busy as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking comp uh, with work and stuff at the moment. Working seven days a week, trying to get a shopping centre over the line. So, sort of has. It's just starting to bite me now. The, the old super coach bug. Haven't that been uh, as deep as I normally am this time of year into it? But we're creeping up on it. That's all right, mate. We've got 32 days to go before the first game. Um, but that'll come across, uh, come along very, very quickly. But um, before we get stuck into what we're going to be do- planning over the next few weeks, which is to run through some player um, profiling, position profiling, and just some, you know, summing up all the news and everything what's been going on, what we thought we'd do is start the season with a little bit of a summary of all the massive changes that have come along this year. So there's been a, a quite a lot, both from a super coach and also a, a, an NRL fixture point of view, haven't there, mate? Yeah, there sure has. There's been um, all the player personnel changes and coach changes and just sitting back looking at it, trying to work out um, rotations of forwards and things like that is particularly difficult this season compared to years gone by. So I think a lot's going to be a lot different. And the comp seems to be even even more even than it has been as well. So it'll make it interesting for Supercoach. Yeah, definitely. And it just, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the detail a little bit, but it, on a face value, it kind of seems like we can actually pe- pick the best players and not have to select those guys that won't be playing Origin and you know just cover the first couple of buyers. Which, which personally, I, I think would be. Um, um, I mean, there's there's two ways. It's it's obviously going to be less strategic, maybe, um, but also it's a little bit more fun being able to pick the players that you really want to. Yeah, it's definitely um, going to change. You won't have that buy period catch up for people that. Um, uh, the overall coaches have been used to doing that. It's um, probably going to be even more important than ever before to get your side right at the start and get off to a flying start because, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to make up the ground as much as you used to be able to. Yes, I think you're, you're correct, mate. It's all about that, that round one sign. And speaking about that, how far away are you from having a pretty good um, 
you know, I guess lockdown of, of the players that you want or are you very much still in the infancy stage of your uh, selection? Yeah, keep in mind at the infancy stage deliberately because <laughs> the last two years I would bugger around with my side that much. The last couple of weeks leading into it that I've pretty much destroyed it and been burning trades for the first three rounds, putting the players back in that I shouldn't have got rid of. So I've got a base side there that I'm pretty happy with and I'll sort of go from there now, wait for TLT and fine-tune it. Historically, mate, have you gone down a a pod path or have you been pretty much a a cookie-cutter team? Uh, Sorry, mate, what's that? Didn't get that. Have you gone down the uh, the pod avenue previously with your starting side or has it been pretty much a a team that resembles uh, a lot of what most other people are picking? Yeah, I've gone um, over (laughs) over pod heavy in the past. So I've got a few good ones picked out this year and then I think you just got to try and have a bit of a look at the the better sort of gun players that have got a high ownership because if you don't have them, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, that's very true. And so does it, am I hearing, mate, that there's probably a couple of sneaky um, players that you're likely not to mention over the coming weeks and keep them all under wraps <laughs> until people see your side? Uh, I think there will be a couple. I've got a couple of real sneaky ones. So I'm to try and keep them on the down low, but um, I'll probably reveal a few leading into the to um, Supercoach Open. Yeah, right. I mean, just having a look at the, the high-stone players at the moment, uh, no surprise with a few, but um, a couple that have sneaked in that haven't before. I mean, Bryce Cartwright, which we can just talk about now straight away, is, has moved to the Titans. So um, he's currently sitting as owned in 50% of sides. What do you think that'll do to his ownership? Will it increase or decrease it? No, oh, I'd have to increase it, surely. I mean, um, pending TLT where um, Brennan's going to play him, but you would imagine he'd be going up there and probably slot straight into um, an edge-back row spot. I know it was mooted that um, Brian James was going to move back to the edge, but with Wallace being suspended for the first couple of rounds, and I'd say um, the Cartwright signing means James will probably stay in the middle. So, I mean, if he's named in the starting back row, then he's going to get everyone sorted, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. It was firmly lodged in my um, second row just because of the price and you know there was obviously some off-field issues going on last year too so I'm hoping that he has a bounce back year which uh, most super coaches appear to be with such a high ownership so after him you've got Cameron Smith at 48% I mean that's no surprise at all um, Tane Milne which is a one a player that hasn't really um, you know been around the super coach circles uh, that much but he's uh, owned by a whopping 48% does that surprise you or you know, you are a Tigers man, so um, will he be someone you're looking at? Uh, yeah, if he's known. Um, obviously, the major surly leaving the Tigers has probably helped him. Um, I have my doubts whether he was going to be picked in the side, to be honest, um, with Brian Mahofenua, and a lot depends on what Cleary does with Kevin Nagama, I suppose. But potentially that right edge side of Milne and Nofaluma would be fantastic in attack, but uh, a defensive nightmare. So it'll be interesting to see what Cleary comes up with. But if he's named in the centres at 192k, you've got to give him, a, give him a bit of a go. It was two years ago when he was at the Dragons. I can't remember his stats exactly off the top of my head, but he killed it in a couple of games that he played full games in. So he had a lot of offloads, a lot of base attacking stats. So, yeah, I'll definitely have him at 192k. Had been a duel as well. was handy. Yeah, so just pulling up his stats from last year, I think he, he covered in a couple of matches. Just let me pull it up now. So he averaged 18 points per game in 11 um, games played. Um, so but from memory, there was a... The, 
yeah, for memory, there was one or two games that he did quite well. Um, but I think the rest of it, he had, uh, you know, not, not too many minutes. He averaged only 29 minutes per game. So lots of upside there for him if he can secure a starting. And as you said, that, that edge with uh, Nofo is just, um, I think that'd be quite exciting from a super coach perspective with both players, I think, um, have the ability to really churn out the base points. So that could be uh, one to watch, hopefully. And, you know, moving through the, the next one we've got there is uh, Lock and Croker. So that's a bit of that, a bit of the same as Tame Milne. All depends on the the uh, round one side selection. He's at 45% ownership and I think at the basement price of 165. So he looks as if he's, uh, you know, going to fill that, uh, that uh, you know, the last player selected, um, hoping to get, you know, 30 to 40 points per game kind of thing and just a maybe a slow-rise uh, cash cow. Yeah, he's looking the most likely. Um, certain cheapy at this stage, so everything you read, most trials will, will sort it all out. But obviously, if he's known, you're going to pick him, which does create a bit of a headache for people that are trying to load up in their halves. Especially that it all depends with the cheapies fall, but if they all fall in the halves, then you sort of got to rethink things again. The same with um, sort of the fullbacks. Of Tom Wright's another one at um, Manly that, Looks like he might be getting a start, and he's available at five eight or fullback as well. So, and probably playing in the centre. So, where the cheapies fall will probably determine how many guns you load up on in certain positions. Yep, very true. And one other cheapie mate that I think is going to be very very popular and sitting at forty three percent is Matthew Lodge. So he returns to the NRL this year after um, I think three or four years away, and um, obviously having some issues off the field too. Uh, but he looks to have secured the starting prop position for. Um, for the Broncos with um, Blair leaving the club. So, I mean, he's firmly rooted in, in my uh, front row um, bench at the moment. Same for you? Uh, yeah, I've got him actually in my starting front row. So um, if he's starting prop, I'd be pretty pretty um, certain he'll be punching out low 50s at least. So, uh, TLT pending, of course. But, yeah, he looks like he'd he just as as close to a must-have as there is at this point. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he's he's definitely that that kind of forty-five to fifty um, that you'd be, you know, maybe even a Jared Wallace uh, type player that we saw last year uh, could last us all the way through to about the buy rounds, hopefully, which would be fantastic. Uh, the, the next two players in the um, over forty percent home category are Jonathan Thurston and James Tedesco. So no real surprises for um, either of those two players being so highly owned. I mean, James uh, Jonathan Thurston is. Um, a player that uh, you know has divided opinion in, in prior years, but given that real discount in his price, um, and this being his last year, he'll be uh, pretty keen to um, try and get the the Cowboys across the line. Yeah, both of them are two of the first players I picked. To be honest, I can't leave either of them out. JT is JT, and even in uh, he only played seven great games last year, he still um, had two big hundreds in those games and. James Tedesco, his potential could be anything at the Roosters. He's already a gun at the Tigers, so well, I think they'll be most people's teams. Yep, I think so, mate. I think so. All right, so that's that's enough for running through the players. As I said before, we'll step into that over the next couple of weeks. There's going to be heaps of analysis to come. Um, we'll run through forwards, backs, halves, and uh, and there should be more than enough information there to, to cover what everybody is hopefully seeking in, in the podcast and pre-season for the health of their side. In terms of news, mate, we spoke about Bryce Cartwright, which is obviously a, a big shock 
and, and that's been confirmed. There's not too much else floating around. I think the only thing that I could think kind of fine was Luke Keery's broken his jaw, but but looks to be ready for round one. And then, of course, Jared Haynes moved from Gold Coast to the Eels, um, which will shake up both sides in terms of um, how they line up with, I think, Hayne and Gutherson vying for that uh, that fullback position at the Eels. So is there anything else apart from those three items, mate, from a super coach perspective that we need to be aware of? No, not really at this stage. Um, only other thing I sort of did notice was uh, Gerard Boyle is almost certain to be ready for like, the first month, so he won't be out at the Warriors for anywhere near as long as um, that was first thought after breaking his leg in the World Cup, so that might squash um, any sort of cheapy options that might emerge at the Warriors. But um, Jared Ames, an interesting one to see where he ends up in that Bills back line. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Gutherson played so well there last year, uh, and he was such a big... Uh, big part of their success too. So you'd, you'd think that he'd get first crack, but obviously Haynes going to be on a bit of coin and, um, you know, he's the prodigal son returning home. So it'd be very interesting to see where Brad Arthur uh, slots him in. Yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd say Haynes at centre is my guess, but um, you couldn't move Gaffers enough the way he played last year. But who knows? Agree. Okay, so that just about wraps up the intro and the news. So now we're going to get stuck straight into... Uh, the main part of the podcast, which is all about changes to Supercoach this year and also the fixture. So let's just jump straight into it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, so changes, lots of changes happening this year in Supercoach land per se. So um, I don't think, I think there's been about four years since there's been some new or additional scoring uh, opportunities and um, and the like, or such a big change anyway. So this year we've got three, the boys at News Limited um, put out uh, a bit of a, um, some options and people to vote in and to see what they're coming in. And then the, the most amount of votes that came through were for intercept taken, which are plus five points, uh, hold attacking player up in goal, plus three points, and then kick that goes dead, negative three points. So um, we're just going to run through each of those. And, and I'm hoping, mate, that you've uh, had a bit of a look to see what 
the uh, overall impact to be or, or particularly how that'll um, you know, change the way you start to look at your side and maybe some players that you historically hadn't thought of before you, you start to, um, you know, might come into contention into your round one outfit. So let's just jump straight into intercept taken plus five points. So um, what, do you, what do you think the impact will be of this one in this year? Uh, pretty minimal. <laughs> these All these changes, um, we have any climax really. Uh, last year, Noffo had the most intercepts, and it was six. Uh, in 24 games, it's an extra 30 points for the, the best interceptor in the competition. So, uh, God, yeah, you're not really going to pick a player on um, their interceptability. No, and I think after that, you've got Josh Adekar with four, Nick Kotrick with three, and Luke Lewis with three. So, as you said, that's hardly any additional points. So, um yeah, it is a little bit of a sugar coating, isn't it? There's not too much really happening um, on the surface of everything. It's all, um, you know, it's not a game changer with any of these three, but it's still worthwhile um, discussing nonetheless. So um, that's the first one. And, and I guess, how do you think that'll be pretty easy to administer and, and to, to rule for? Yeah, you would think that one would be um, about the least, least grey of any of the super coach stats scoring so um, it'll be a nice handy little little addition when your player gets one but it's uh, not one that um, it's going to be too significant I don't think yes but, as you said yeah very it should be very clean cut so there'll be no no arguing about it yeah so the official ruling is that only given if a player takes the ball cleanly and his team ends up with possession a player will not be awarded an intercept if it results in a six again for the other team so as you said that should be pretty clear cut whether it's um, plus five points or not. Uh, the next rule change or next scoring change, sorry, is a hold attacking player up in goal. So that's plus three points. So that's awarded to, to a defensive player who holds the attacking player up in goal. Any player who has done enough to warrant a tackle stat would also be given the held up stat. So this one's interesting. How do, how do you think that, that this is going to impact I'm just pulling up some, some stats from last year? So that's maybe a little bit harder to um, to determine, particularly from, uh, you know, who the player or if they've actually held them up or how many players are considered to have held them up. Maybe like the, the flop tackle versus not flop. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> um, Points-wise, I think Billy Slater had the most last year with five. So, I mean, again, it's not overly significant, but what it will create is everyone blowing up about their player not getting the, the points awarded and, but must, I'm not exactly sure how they um, determine it. Obviously, I would actually thought this would have been a lot higher, um, but with five for the season is the most. So uh, it's obviously just um, really clean cut ones where it's one player holding the guy up over the line, you would imagine, or up the player underneath the guy trying to score. Yeah, it's um, it's only really the one where it's going to be like a couple of players in there to, to a held up, which is going to be interesting to see if they award both. But as you said, it's plus three point, points. It's probably not going to happen more than, say, once or twice a game. I mean, an offload's worth worth more. So, I mean, that kind of puts it into a little bit of perspective. Yeah, sure. But um, largely insignificant. Agree. Okay, so the kick that goes dead. So this is our only negative point. Um, addition this year, so it's a negative three points, and it's any kick that goes dead, touching goal without being touched by another player. Um, the error uh, must lead to a 20-meter tap 
and seven tackles set for the opposition side. So again, this should be pretty clear cut. I think it's quite interesting that it it can't be touched because, um, yeah, it's that's kind of a, an interesting one. And 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 you know the ruling on that would be you know quite straightforward as well, I guess. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts on on this one? Do you do you see this having too much of an impact? No, I don't see it having much of an impact at all. Um, just going off the stats from last year, Josh McCrone had the most of those with 10 kicks dead. Uh, significant players, Sean Johnson and Milford, who were the next with nine. So, I mean, that's barely a point of game. Um, you obviously, I reckon you'll get those games where a player might do two or three of them in one game, then he's not going to do it again for eight weeks. So, I think as you touched on, uh, having not touching an opposition player will make that a lot less, that stat. So... It yeah. happens as often as what you think it does. No, and that's what I was just thinking. Quite often during the game, you'll see it where a player will... It'll be a horrible kick, but it'll ricochet off another player or just barely just get touched. Um, and that would normally result in a, you know, potentially a knock-on or something like that, but it's still a, a horrific kick in in uh, the general sense. So you might be only looking at like one or two times a game. So, yeah, the impact there is going to be extremely minimal too. So... Um, yeah, I can't see these having too much of an impact overall uh, with you know how you kind of select your side. The one additional one which I think would have had a bit more of an impact, which is the one-on-one tackles, um, that could have been um, something that you know provided a fair bit more amount of points. Uh, I'm just looking at an example. So um, Machelet last year, um, his average would have gone from 62 to 60. Uh, six and, and Whitehead from the Raiders would have gone from an average of 54 to 58 um, per game. So, I mean, that's quite an incremental um, uh, shift upwards um, per game in compared to these other changes, which is not really having that much of an impact. Yeah, that would have been a good one. That was one of the ones I was sort of pushing the D2 guys and they sort of asked uh, before they made the decision of any ideas for future scoring points and uh, they didn't listen to a single one of the ones I came up with. Uh, um, yeah, Intercepts was a popular one, obviously, but um, it's largely insignificant. Like all three of them, really, it's not going to have much impact at all on uh, Supercats this season, I don't believe. No. The only thing from an intercept one is that if the intercept then um, results in a try, I mean, a play could almost have um, you know upwards of 40 points um, off one play. So that'll be a um, that'll be quite fun um, when that happens. But as you said, uh, there's not too many intercepts that that happen throughout the season. So uh, yeah, it kind of seems on face value, mate, that the ones that have been selected are kind of the, the easiest ones to monitor and to, to award points to. So there's no real subjectivity in, in any of them. So I mean that makes sense, but um, it's kind of a question of you know do we really need to have them if they're not going to make that much of an impact. Yeah, that's uh, like I said earlier, it was a massive anti-climax. Like, uh, when you're out in the town and you get the hot girl on the dance floor and you bring her home and she turns out to be a starfish, really. So the stats are there. It's something you've done and, um, yeah, you can sort of move on. Yeah, very well put, mate. Very well put. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the scheduling and trading changes because this definitely has um, an impact and and uh, far outweighs the scoring changes. So from an NRL draw perspective, um, there's only two buy rounds this year, uh, and there's a, um, a standalone origin round as well. So let's just work through that. So can you just explain to us when these buys are going to occur and, and how the standalone origin round will um, will fare? 
Yeah, well, the standalone origin round, obviously, there'll be no NRL that weekend, so it's um, you don't have the three big buys anymore. You know, really stripping your side uh, to pieces to try and get numbers for those rounds. Um, it'd be interesting for the NRL too to stop. Um, it'd be a bit fairer with one less interrupted round for the team, so the footy should be a bit better. But uh, super coach wise, it's definitely uh, definitely changed the way you're going to. Like the first, especially only having uh, two buys every round, except for the uh, the super, round, which I believe is that over the the standalone origin, you get the five trades before yeah, the second. That's that's round seventeen. There will be a um, up to five trades available for one round. Yeah, so I mean that should make it pretty easy to have a decent squad for those two buy rounds as well. So it's um, really going to put the emphasis on your early season team. It will, mate, and, and you can basically throw out the door the uh, strategy of uh, buy planning uh, to a certain extent um, because, you know, there's as we said at the start, there's going to be certain players which would have been selected in prior years purely on the basis of uh, buy coverage that will never again feature in Supercoach sides. So the likes of a Manu Mao or someone like that um, I think would be highly unlikely to, to um, be seen in a, a Supercoach side ever again. Yeah, for sure. Those sort of those buy round muppets that you used to put in that would get you sort of a, a fifty round of fifty score, and uh, help you have four or five of those guys in the side through the origin period because uh, they played the three big buy rounds, for example. So yeah, those days are definitely gone. You're not going to bother wasting trades or stuff like that anymore. And the first buy round was always the easiest to get a decent squad anyway because you got more time to prepare for it. So I'd say everyone will. Every serious coach will have a pretty decent side come the first buy round, and then with the the super buy round, where you can get five players for the next one. Even if you only had sort of ten or eleven players, depending on how you're sitting, you could potentially take a small hit that round anyway. So now it's only one round. Yeah, definitely. So, do you think this makes the game easier or, or harder? Well, I think it makes it harder, and um, coupled with the the lack of jewels this year, they've really clamped down on the the dual position players this season, which I think is a good thing. Uh, it makes it a lot more difficult, so strategy is going to come into play quite differently this season. Yeah, and something that I would have liked to have seen and I still would like to see is the ability to change the player's position throughout the year. So I know um, for fantasy and, and also an AFL um, equivalent that, uh, that you can change. So depending on where the player has been playing for majority of the year, um, you know, there can be a call made to say, um, you know, such and such was meant to be starting uh, in the second row, but has been playing the whole year in the centres. So let's give him dual position or just make him a centre or, you know, was, has we started him as a, a halfback, but has been playing the whole year as a, a fullback. So give him that dual position. So that's something that I'd like to see, but um, I know that um, the guys at News Limited have pushed back on that a little bit just because, you know, there is uh, some subjectivity associated. But I, I personally believe that you can be pretty cut and dry with, um, you know, and how you award that if you were going to do that progressively throughout the year. Yeah, the common sense rule should apply, shouldn't it, really? The player plays three games or more in one position. He should be given that position on Supercoach, you would think. But it um, doesn't seem to work that way. Uh, it's... Also, you look at the other scale of it that they've cracked down this year, guys like Ben Hunt that didn't get awarded um, a dual hooker halfback, which caused a fair bit of controversy in Supercoach land. But uh, the reasoning being, I spoke to the guys at DT, they um, 
said they believe that he only played hooker last year because of an injury crisis at um, at the Broncos, so any likelihood of playing hooker this season is pretty minimal. However, uh, this year, if McInnes goes down at the Dragons this year, I'd say Ben Hunt would be a fair chance of filling in. Yeah, agree. I, I mean, I, I remember what they, um, when I did inquire about this previously, I was told that the clubs effectively sent in you know, where they believe that each player will play and their prime positions. And then the um, uh, the positions from there within the game were set um, as such. But, um, yeah, who knows now with the reduction in, in dual players. I mean, as you said, I, I think it's a good thing. It makes it harder. Um, there was, I think last year there was just a ridiculous amount of centre-wing second-row options available. Um, someone like an Adam Crichton, which, um, you know, he didn't play a minute in the centres. That's just a prime example of, you know, we should be stripping that um, dual position flexibility. Um, although the majority of the people that owned him last year wouldn't have thought that, but I think it is only fair, really. Oh, yeah, 100%. And um, the thing it makes harder is now trying to move on um, cows. It's... Um, a lot harder to shuffle them around with less jewels, so you might be going back to the way it sort of was a few years back where you sort of effectively have to use two trades to get rid of a, a cow. Yep. Agree. And the last real kind of change for us to discuss, mate, is trades. So trades this year have reduced from 40 to 37, but realistically um, it doesn't really make that much of a difference overall because there is one less round of NRL this year. So I think we're gone from a, an average of uh, 1.6 trades per round to 1.5. So um, it doesn't really make that much of a difference when you look into the detail of it. No, nah, that was another thing that was initially a little bit disappointing. That it didn't go down to somewhere around 32 or 34. That would have made it um, quite tricky. But yeah. um yeah, look at the 37, you sort of effect was pretty much the same. But then when you sort of, you do look at the lack of jewels and uh, shuffling players around when you trade, you're probably going to burn through a few more trades. So it might end up being a little bit trickier than we initially think. Yeah, I personally would have preferred to see, um, you know, around about 30 trades, uh, particularly with the loss of the buy rounds. I mean, there's less trades, I think, that we need because historically we've had to, as you say, um, you know, burn trades and, and have players in there just to cover a couple of weeks. Whereas this year, it's not like this. This year, more than any, it's it, the, the sides, overall sides compared to head-to-head sides will be almost identical. So um, reducing the trades uh, hopefully would have, uh, you know, made the game a little bit more difficult because, you know, it's it has been a little bit easier to plan with. So it's if you reduce the trades, it really makes that first round team just so important. No, oh, 100%. Yeah, it would have been, would have been fantastic. The less trades, the better. But um, obviously, to keep the masses interested, they've only reduced it by three. But um, as you said, like, it's gonna, overall, it's going to be more like a head-to-head strategy this year. Overall, players will probably have a lot more trade at the end of the season than they normally would. So but, um, you can potentially make up a bit of ground late if you've got sort of eight trades left with, ten, with um, five rounds to go or something like that. Yeah, and um, this could be the first time that we have an, a head-to-head player that's really competing um, at the the pointy end of the the rankings as well. Historically, it's been you know the guys that have just been focused on um, you know the overall strategy, but this year those you know the head-to-head crusaders will be um, you know probably have sides very very similar. Yeah, I agree. I um, 
head to head player could potentially take it out this season for sure. They were already sort of starting to slide up the ranks a bit more. A good mate of mine was a um, head to head player came 130th last year, so <laughs> it um, yeah, without the by planning trade this year, it'll be very interesting to see where the head to head players end up with the final rank. And, and what did you consider yourself last year, mate? A head to head or an overall player? Uh, overall, but I probably should have gone head to head. <laughs> where did you Where did you finish the season? Uh, blew out the last sort of four rounds. I slipped out from about a thousand to four thousand eight hundred. So, geez, that's not good because historically you you've been a, a much higher rank than that, haven't you? Uh, yeah, except the last two seasons have been shocking for me, so I'm looking for a bit of redemption this year. Yeah, I smell a, an over-reliance on pods, mate. Yeah, that was definitely it. <laughs> Destroying destroy my team with putting too many guys in right at the end. Uh, I played around with it way too much, so that was the thing. The guys that I had to originally in the first team, I picked them up, killing it, and then trying to get them back in and just burning through trades, and then you get smashed with injuries. and Yeah. So, uh, different strategy this season. Leave the team alone. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, I think you'll... Um, the pod strategy is good, but you've got to pick the right pods and, and I don't think you can have too many, which I know that Wilfred um, also got burnt last year as well. So, mate, we've gone through all the the key changes this year and, and there has been a fair bit to, to go through. I mean, from a strategy point of view or, or any anything, is there anything else that we need to kind of... to cover before we really jump into the details. So, I mean, this week is a nice, short, sharp, welcome kind of podcast, and, and next week it's going to be uh, a lot more information contained. So, you know, is there anything that we need to cover now before we, um, you know, move on to the, the more detailed analysis? Yeah, the, you might um, rethink your strategy of stacking the pack and stuff this year as much as well with the important start in mind. It's a, a risk and reward type of scenario, but I think a lot of um, super coaches are going to be going a little bit more back heavy than they normally would, particularly looking at a couple of the juicier sort of draws for certain teams. Um, loading up on centre wings and the fullbacks and that, that have got nice draws early on, even edge back rowers to a degree. Uh, trying to chase the early points to give you that boost is um, it's definitely a strategy I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at my centre wing a lot stronger starting with than I normally would. Yeah, and what about um, you know what in terms of those sides that do have the the easy draw? What's kind of catching your eye at the moment? Uh, Roosters and um, well, Roosters Storm and um, Raiders have got pretty nice draws early on. Tigers have got an absolute horror draw. They'll be doing well if they're not zero and seven after the first seven rounds. So. Right. <laughs> well, so they play they play all the top four sides from last year. They played a Storm twice in the first five rounds or something like that. It's um, a hideous draw. <laughs> and, and while I've got you here, mate, how about you just give us a bit of a rundown on the Tigers and how you think they're going to fare um, this year. So um, don't have to go into too much detail, but um, you know, just, just give us a bit of a, an analysis and um, you know, what you think that you know, some of the, the players that, that we should be considering from a super coach perspective are. Yeah, contrary to the... Um, the Overexcited, biased Tigers fans out there. I think we're in for another pretty lean year, to be honest. Not overly happy with the signings that we've made. Not particularly because guys like Josh Reynolds are bad players, or because they're not, but um, just with the spine that they've got, Josh Reynolds. Like if we had, <laughs> we still had the desk going. We bought Cooper Cronk. Josh Reynolds would be spot on. 
But when you've got uh, Luke Brooks, McIlrick and Lola here as the other spine members, I think we're going to yeah, be struggling a little bit there. But supercoach-wise, Nofalum is always great. Um, I'm very hard to leave him out of my side, I'm loving. Uh, Milne, if he gets started, be good. Madalino could be a sneaky one if he can pick up um, Woods' 60 minutes. Apart from that, I think most of the Tigers will be pretty supercoach irrelevant unless guys like Eisenhurst can get into the side and that, but I think he'll be struggling to make the 17. Is there a bit of hype around Woods? Um, what are your thoughts there? Do you, I mean, he got he got so many minutes towards the end of last season and uh, he went on a, a bit of a, a tear there. What, what are your thoughts on, on him coming into 2018? Yeah, Woods, um, going to the dogs, I think, well, Spencer Hayes going to be using, I suppose, but um, he, went, he was a post-origin gun. Last season, he did end up playing big minutes, so I don't think he would quite see those many minutes, but he may well see um, the offloads continuing, so he could be a, a really good pod. And um, yeah, Madalena could be similar at the Tigers if he takes Woods' old role last year. Uh, Cleary did say you know, last week that he's going for a more attacking style of football this year, so he would believe that that would be um, middle forwards offloading more and a lot of second phase play off Elijah Taylor, so it would be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, and so what were the reason, or what was the reason behind Woods getting so many minutes uh, for his, you know, final two months with the Tigers last year? Not 100 percent sure. They didn't have a, a heap of injuries. I know they they dropped over Sam Fungi because he signed with the Sharks, so he didn't come back into the side. And but um, I don't know if it was just him putting his hand up, wanting to be a bit more of a leadership role or not. But um, he was pushing 70 minutes quite a lot last year. So I mean, if he got that again, he'd be an absolute gun. So it'd be interesting to see how Dean Pay uses him. Yeah, I mean, you know, under Anna Hasley, obviously had big minute props, um, particularly with Graham and uh, and Tolman. But Graham moving on now, Woods, um, you know, would have ideally just stepped straight into that role, and he had played big minutes. But as you say, there's there's no real kind of idea about how he you know fits into the this strategy going forward, and, and I guess nobody really has a clear kind of idea of how. Um, you know, pay will, will set the forwards up? No, nah, it's a total unknown. I think Tolman's the key. Um, Clemmer will probably still see about his same minutes. And there's a bit of talk around that um, either Elliot or Jackson might move to lock and Clemmer will play prop. So I don't know where Tolman fits in in that, but it looks like um, they're trying to get Raymond Fatala Mariner on the edge. So it'll be interesting to see how the dogs line up in the trials and, yeah, interesting to see the, the rotations. So Woods was it one of your sneaky pods, mate, that I've just unsurfaced, or he, um, he's not someone you're looking at? Uh, yeah, he's currently in the sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could smell it. I could smell it, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Um, I dare say I've have had a bit of a think about um, him, and, and I did want to to ask you why, if there was any particular reason as to why. He, you know, had got so many minutes towards the end of this year, but it, there doesn't seem to be any clear explanation. Maybe it's just a farewell um, Tigers thing, but yeah, um, who knows? Yeah, he um, one thing he did do was find his offload again, which um, was getting him a few extra points and a couple of uh, he put uh, Suaso Su over for a couple of tries, so he got a few sneaking attacking snaps in there as well. So if he can keep the offload going, it'll be. Um, that's his key. He's like Bromwich in that way. Whenever they're offloading and the attacking stats that come with the offload, they're good. So uh, Aaron Woods is sitting in currently at 3.3% ownership now, mate. So that's a 
a legitimate pod. Yeah, in the super pod category at the moment. Super pod, and and I think that's in the category of a uh, a good pod. You know, you, there's some of the ones lying around that you go, oh, I've got to have him because he's got such a low ownership. But you know, there's probably a reason why he's got a very low ownership. Where Woods is, um, you know, has the super coach pedigree before, and, and we saw what he did over the second half of last year. So I'm actually quite surprised that his ownership is that low, to be honest. Yeah, it is a little surprising. Um, possibly the change of clubs, but then possibly a lot of people don't like him either. He's one of those players like Mitchell Pearce that um, <laughs> a lot of players, super coaches out there wouldn't pick him because they can't stand the guy. So it's uh, always, always towards the, the potty end. But I've always been a big fan of middle forwards that go on a run post-Origin and then they, a lot of them tend to back it up pre-Origin the following season. Jack DeBellin last year was a prime example of that. Yeah, okay. He was a massive pot at the start of the season too, so... Well, mate, the, uh, to be honest, the the front rows are kind of spread all over the place. There's only um, one player over um, 40, which is Matthew Lodge, I've spoken to. Um, Sam Burgess is the only player over 30%. And then uh, over 20%, there's two. There's uh, Latu and also Jesse Bromwich. And then the rest, uh, you know, it kind of drops right away. So I think it's fair to say that a lot of people um, don't really have much of an idea what to do with their um, their front row forwards this year, or, or a lot of people going in very different um, different ways about how to set up their side. Yeah, I think front row forwards probably the toughest this year. There's no real standout guy that you've got to say, yeah, I've got to have that guy. Mm. And um, there's potentially a lot of uh, lower end mids or cheekies in that position this year more than normal as well. So, and then guys that it could potentially bounce back, like the um, Bromwiches and players like that, depending on. Um, which way Bellamy goes on the bench? There's talk that he might have um, young Brennan Smith on Brennan Smith on the bench there, and uh, Cameron Smith might move into the halves mm, uh, during the game. So, if that happens, you would have to think that Bromwich would go back to playing 60 plus minutes again, which uh, with McLean leaving as well. Yeah. But then you've got Cassiano, who knows what's going to happen with him. So, that's just uh, you touch on every club, it's all pretty much unknown. It's going to be massive guesswork trying to um, get your side together for round one figuring out rotations and because nothing's as clear cut as it has been in previous seasons. Yeah, I'm all over Jesse Bromwich, mate. Um, he was one of my first players selected this year, but we'll talk more about him um, next week when we do an in-depth analysis of uh, forwards. The one that just caught my eye here, mate, um, which I just had a little bit of a chuckle while you were going on, then Sam Cassiano is owned by 12% of, uh, of people and he's currently the seventh uh, highest selected front row forward in the game. Twelve <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's um pretty good stat actually. Yeah, so he's owned uh, more people own him than they own Andrew Fafita, James Graham, uh, Kane Evans, Josh Maguire, uh, Paul Vaughan. More people own Sam Cassiano. So it seems those um, the Bellamy Fat Club, which has uh, resulted in Cassiano dropping about twenty kilos. Uh, all those photos which have been going out in the press of late, they um, seem to be of providing the uh, the opinion that he's going to be playing increase, increased minutes this year and, and have a stellar Supercoach season. Yeah, it's a, another great unknown, isn't it? It's, <laughs> he's got trap written all over him for mine, but um, then again, he could um, could play 40 minutes and score an average in the 50s. So we could get his PPM back up to the way it used to be, so... Again, the offloading with him will be the key and how Bellamy's going to use him, whatever he's going to... I'd say Glasby would start with, with Bromwich, you would think, and then 
he might um, roll on with Mass and Cassiano coming off the bench, just steamrolling and offloading. So yeah, it's, no. uh, definitely going to be very interesting. Nah, trap, mate. Dead set trap. Nass is the one. If there's any of the the Storm players to get excited about um, below um, that four hundred thousand category, I think any other club that if he was at, he would be a starting um, forward either in the front row or second row. So uh, it would be very interesting to see how um, how he's used at the Storm this year. But he's you know one of those players that definitely does have a, a super coach friendly um, game about him. Yeah, and there's been a bit of mail around too that he might be spending a bit of time on the edge this year. So I'd love to see him play 80 minutes on the edge. I reckon he'd be an absolute weapon on the edge running off um, the Storm's fine. So, but but uh, obviously Hoffman's back and uh, Kafusi was very good last year as well. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see how they all the forwards fit together. Oh, mate, they've got so much depth. It's scary. It really is. So... Anyway, we will um, jump into to a bit of that detail next week and have a pretty um, heavy podcast with uh, with one of the other boys jo- jumping on board as well as we run through um, hooker uh, front row and second row. So look forward to that. That'll be um, that'll be a nice pod to get um, really stuck into. So I think that uh, that does us for this time, mate. As I said, a nice short podcast is to introduce and just run through some of the changes overall and. Uh, it's lovely to have you back on board uh, for another season, mate. And uh, I know that you're a um, uh, you're definitely a fan favourite out there. People just love to hear you on the pod. Yeah, it's good to be back, mate. Uh, obviously, already after this um, podcast, I've got the the bugs bitten even more now. So I'll probably go back and have a little bit of a look at my team. But um, that was the thing I find with pre-season podcasts, particularly all the ones we're going to do next week. And then when you start um, going through the positions and that, you always go. Gah. I'll <laughs> go back and change my sword now. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's creeping up pretty fast, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And I, I actually did wrote a, um, a South Sydney uh, preview this morning, and I'm uh, looking after that at having about four or five rabbitos in my side. <laughs> Before that, I wasn't yeah. looking at too many. So, yeah, it does, mate. As soon as you start doing a little bit of uh, research, it uh, really, you know, it all starts going around in circles in your head. But um, it's going to be a fun month. Uh, before we kick off the the season and we've got a heat to get through. So um, that'll do us, mate. And uh, let's go and watch the the Big Bash or whatever you want to do for the rest of your Sunday. And I hope everybody out there uh, enjoyed uh, the podcast. And we will be back next week with, as we said, a a positional analysis of forwards. So until then, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. And and Perso, I'll let you uh, sign off for us, mate. No worries, I'll be, uh, I'll be watching the Big Bash this afternoon, that's for sure. It's, uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, Root. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.